here. Hey, welcome back in Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao, Mo Patton, and Wade Neely's in studio now as, again, he gets, gets set for tonight's Main Street Media Radio Game of the Week, presented by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office, Giles County, Mount Pleasant. Girls like. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's the cat fight, bobcats, tigers, county cats, and county cats. This <laughs> is all kind of, but yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I will be on the call with him, so looking forward to that as well. Looking mainly looking forward to dinner. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. You I'm better hurry. Oh, we'll, we'll, yeah, we're, we're going to get out of here pretty quick. I can tell you. You know what? I might catch up with y'all. You it's not be. that far no. from there to Hampshire Unit School. There you go. Yeah, you just, just hop, cut right across. Hop over. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I think that's that's the jam. That might be right what you do. I'll see you The pizza place there. is where we'll be if you want to come by. Come on house. through. Pull up. As the kids would say. There you go. I said something the other. I said something the other day on Twitter, and I don't remember what it was, but it was some you know new slang term that everybody's <laughs> using on TikTok. And a guy said, you don't have to say that. You can just say this. And I was like, yeah, but if I don't, then how will, you know, I stay hip with the kids. There you go. And I put Hel the meme. Hello, with the hello, hello, hello kids. Yeah, yes. <laughs> put that meme down there. It's like, that, that's the only way I can do it. I don't that's know what, you, what, you, what do you want from me. Pull up. So anyway, uh, <laughs> we, we are talking NBA now because in the association last night, there were a couple of, of, of things that took place. Number one, Draymond Green. This well, didn't happen last night, but well, the, well, the, the the incident did not happen last night. The fallout, the fallout took place yesterday. Night. Yes, yes. As Draymond Green's antics mm. have landed him in an indefinite suspension by the National Basketball Association. You go to your room until I tell you to come out. Yes. <laughs> I, that's exactly what's happening here, and I think it's I think or it's great. or as as coach, old school coaches would tell you, you gonna run until I'm tired. Again, again, much needed. <laughs> so his third ejection mm. results, this year? yeah, this year in in his indefinite suspension from the league at this, this point year for which now. John Morant was suspended for 25 games. Mm -hmm. He's still not back yet. That's right. The season is less than 25 games old. And Draymond has been suspended, uh, ejected three times. Three times in 23 games. The Warriors are 10 and 13, by the way. I don't know how much one has to do with the other, but. Trying. Uh, he wasn't. There we go. He he wasn't or he, was he ejected in one of the in season tournament games because those don't count. That I couldn't tell you. So I'm curious because those don't count, and we know that because of the next topic we're going to talk about. Well, he was last, according to this CBS Sports article, his last suspension was for five games after the infamous chokehold of Rudy Gobert. During that game with the Timberwolves, looked like you tried to put him on a sleeper. But, uh -huh. 
So well, I, I don't know if there was one during the in-season tournament that I did not really pay a whole lot of attention to. But Draymond said, I sell calls with arms. I don't fall to sell a call. I'm not a flopper. So I was just selling a call. Unfortunately, I hit it. As I've said before, a replay is never going to look good, but I know my intentions. My intentions were to sell a call. But I also know I'm not accurate enough puncher to do a full 360 and connect with someone. So you know it's unfortunate. <laughs> this, is, this is great. Hey, look, look uh, you got to respect the denial here. <laughs> well, I mean, as my dad used to tell me, if you're going to tell a lie, stick with it. I, <laughs> yeah, so. no doubt. So, uh, yeah, this is, uh, is going to be an interesting situation I'm, I'm really curious how adam silver in the league handles this situation and, and how long indefinite becomes i think that's the question how long is indefinite i mean because as of now he's not sorry yeah and i think there's got to be some contrition at some point before he gets back in uniform so after, after further review you know what i, I really am sorry i mean and I don't know. I don't know how you get there from, from that. that denial. <laughs> I, I don't know how you get there. I don't know how you get to my bad from. I that. didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. this is going to be. It wasn't a punch. Yeah. No. This is going to be interesting. This this will be one of the more interesting things that happens in the NBA this year. So. Does he get more games or less games than Ja for doing something that is legal, was not on the court, was not in season, was it? Mm. I don't know. Did not involve another player. Did, did, and certainly did not involve actual assault. <laughs> Right. So, <laughs> does he get more or less? I think it ends up being less. That's unfortunate. I, 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 Especially given Draymond's history. Yeah, I think it ends up being less if if he does find a way to say he's sorry. But uh, what? Yes, Justin, give us give us that statement. I have a lot of respect for him, obviously, even before this. I still have it. I don't know what people go through, but he's an NBA champion for me, Hall of Famer still. And that's from the dude he hit. So, yeah, I, I mean, whatever. Anyway, so in-season tournament games don't count, at least not for points. And last night, Oscar Tashibwe, the Kentucky product, scored his first official points in the National Basketball Association. Good for him. Good for him. Unfortunately. How many points did he score? I, you know what? I don't even know. I just know it was his first. Well, I, I feel but like it was, it was not 64. Exactly. It was fewer than. Go ahead. It was fewer than the 64 put up by Giannis. And, and you, you you say it way better than I do. So, and, Anti de compo. There you go. I'm going to point to you like that. Like, like Pete Thamel. Pete Thamel. There uh, you go. But. Giannis puts up 64, which is not only a career high for him, but a franchise record for the Timberwolves. No, no, no. For the Timberwolves. He doesn't play for the Timberwolves. I mean, not a tip for the Bucks. Yeah. That's wild. 
Because because Kareem played for him. Yeah, Oscar Robertson. Um, never scored sixty four. Bobby Dandridge. Didn't Ray Allen play for the Bucks a, for a, a moment? Yes. Wow. A franchise record, sixty-four points. I never would have thought. Goodness gracious! Let's go to the post-game interview with uh, the the Pacers head coach, wherever he comes from. Is that for, whatever, whatever what happened at the after the game was uh, was unfortunate. There was there was a misunderstanding about the game ball. Um, it was Oscar Shibway's first NBA official NBA point, so we always get the game ball. We were not thinking about Giannis's franchise record, so we grabbed the ball and um, a couple of, a couple of minutes later, several of their players ended up in our hallway, and there was a big a big. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to call it—a fracas, a melee, whatever. I don't think any punches were landed, but my general manager got elbowed in the ribs by one of their players, um, and so he certainly has a bruised, bruised rib. And <clears throat> who knows, you know, if it's anything more than that. But um, unfortunate situation. We don't need the the official game ball. There's two game balls there. Um, you know, we could have taken the other one, um, but it didn't need to escalate to that. And so, you know, really just, you know, unfortunate. <clears throat> Third game we played these guys within two and a half, three weeks. So things are heated with the competition. And, uh, you know, I, I understand all that. But for it to come into the hallway was... Didn't need it. Didn't need to happen that way. Okay. So, Giannis scores sixty-four points, single-game Milwaukee record at Milwaukee. This game was in Milwaukee. Was it? I thought it was. Milwaukee was the home team. Okay. I, I so don't, uh, don't recall. Milwaukee was the home team, and I, and I think there's some significance to that because yeah. does the home team not provide the basketball? What what gave Rick Carlisle, who didn't know where Terry Taylor went to school, That's by the way? Yes, getting at okay. Um, what gave the Pacers the right to the game ball on the road? To the game ball, and as he said, I mean, if there's two of them, what's the big deal? Just give it up. Get the other one. Get out of there with your loss. Take your L and go. It was an interesting situation. Nah, Unfortunate it, situation. And it was, but it was an interesting situation that they created. Had did not have to be that way. Look, y'all didn't even ask. Y'all didn't say. Now, uh, hey, an official did. actually grabbed the basketball on the court, and I assume someone said, "Hey, can we get that ball?" Mm -hmm. Official just, hey, sure. I'm getting out of here. Official dumps it off and gets out. And next thing you know, they're off in the tunnel. And what happened was allegedly someone from the Pacers told Giannis, You want the ball, you're not getting the ball. 
And that's what oh, that's, that's, that's what started Giannis going kind of off. Understandably so. If someone told me that, oh, you, I'm not going to get the ball. Bet. Bet. <laughs> Meanwhile, Shibway, to say he scored his first points in the NBA is a little misleading. He scored his first point. I was a free throw in the NBA. That's unfortunate. In six minutes, he was 0 of 1 from the floor, 1 of 2 from the line, one point. Singular. Can, can we just say that this is an unfortunate situation that Oscar Toshibwe is not more productive in the NBA as good as he was at Kentucky? Well, I mean, I think you kind of have to look at the Pacers' makeup particularly where he plays. I mean, they've got Obi Toppin at the four and Miles Turner at the five. So I'm not sure how much opportunity there is for him, for him to be more productive. Meanwhile, Ben Shepard, former Belmont standout, scored eight points in six minutes last night. Didn't take Weren't trying basketball. to get a ball for him, though. <laughs> don't take the base, don't basketball for him. Yeah. So anyway, I... I thought it was I thought it was unfortunate, but you know, hopefully there. Uh, Giannis apparently has a basketball. He says it doesn't feel like the game ball, but he's not <laughs> sure. Uh, so well, he, it's not like he's going to be playing with it. So he I mean, has a basketball. He's got a ball. Get, just let's, let's move on. So anyway, um, I thought that was fun. it's very interesting. So again, Giannis with sixty four points, single game Milwaukee record breaks a record of 57 set by and you won't you've never guessed this if i gave you 10 tries no michael red in november of 2006 former ohio state standout michael red scored 57 Giannis scored 55 in january of this year which tied kareem's bucks high and brandon jennings's bucks high so Let's see. Um, Giannis has had 54 twice. Kareem had 53. One, two, three, four. Four times. Giannis and Michael Red each had 52 along with Kareem. Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton each had 51. So did Kareem twice. So 64. 64. A new mark for the Bucks franchise. That's crazy. All right, let's take a break with Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. 
Zion Christian Academy. ZionEagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's ZionEagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. I don't know if that was on purpose or not, Justin, but that was a heck of a promo considering that the last guy in the promo is our next guest. So what a segue it is. Absolutely. It makes it easy <laughs> to bring SEC assistant commissioner, former Duke football coach, David Cutcliffe, into Main Street Sports today. Coach, welcome back. How's it going? Well, good. I've been listening uh, to the previous segment. I'm looking at the stuff behind you. I'm catching an orange and white jersey with manning on the back put me in a good mood appreciate that and then uh Derek mason is a good friend and uh someone that i think very highly of he and his wife both will bring a lot of uh energy and genuineness uh to murfreesboro uh no question about that as will who we're on to talk about uh jeff ferris uh to clarksville Tell us more, Coach, about Jeff Ferris, the new Austin P coach, because he was um, he was with you during your time over at Duke. Yeah, he. Um, I, I knew Jeff's family when I was in Knoxville. They became good friends, and Jeff was a really good high school football player that was probably headed to Harvard when I got the job at Duke, and a great student, great person. And I immediately recruited him to come to Duke. Uh, I knew he would make us better on and off the field, which, which he did. Um, and it's amazing uh, to to watch what he did. I can tell you the kind of, yeah, you know, he, I didn't know what Jeff exactly wanted to do. He had the intellect to do anything he wanted to do. Then he told me right off the bat, he said, Coach, I want to sit even though I may play defense or offense or receiver. So I really like to sit in the quarterback meetings and learn football, listening to you talking about that position and talking about defense. And I said, sure. So as a player, he basically ran our scout team defense because he knew what we were trying to get looks at at quarterback. He was back there in the secondary doing that. Um, did some things in the kicking game for us as a player, but in three years he was he was graduated from Duke with a perfect GPA. And I mean, I'm telling you, smart. He, he makes me really dumb. Okay, and uh, <laughs> he he's he's brilliant. Then he got another degree the next year. It was in economics, I think, his degree. Mm-hmm. And then he got a master's in economics. And then I hired him as a GA. I wasn't going to let Jeff leave. So he was a graduate assistant for us, and 
went to graduate school in divinity. Now I'm even feeling worse. I'm like, hey, I'm the real blue devil. You know, maybe I'm the, the black devil. And Jeff goes to divinity school and does great. And then at 24 years old, I made him the youngest assistant position coach in the Power Five. He at, at different times coached receivers for us, coached tight ends, coached quarterbacks, coached part of special teams. And, and Jeff and I used to talk a lot about this. I would get young people asking me, young coaches, Coach, how can I become a head coach? Well, you, you don't become one. Uh, you, you have to be one from the get-go. You, ha- you have to understand that you should be the best football coach on the staff, meaning no offense, defense, line play, special teams, secondary. you got to have a, a thirst for it. Well, I told Jeff that when he was a freshman talking to me about coaching. I would come into the office, and he would be sitting in John Latina's office, our offensive line coach, learning offensive line play. Um, so I think people are, that are listening to this are understanding who Jeff Ferris is. And, um, I had, when he was a GA, I had a coach on our staff, Sonny Lubick's son, Matt Lubick, who I love dearly. Matt was a great organized recruiter and signed a lot of players for us from California, from just about everywhere. And Jeff sat with him and talked recruiting every day. And so he quickly became the best recruiter on our staff. He is tireless. He's got great energy. But I started this by comparing he and Derek Mason. He's genuine. He is a great person. His wife, Natalie, is a great person. I I feel like a grandfather everywhere because all of our young coaches all got married and had children throughout our career. Uh, through 20 years at Ole Miss and Duke, um, and and just I, I love every minute of watching Jeff grow. And so, when I was asked about him, I said I don't know what your 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 needs are in your mind. You know that I don't. Jeff Ferris already is a head coach. He just doesn't hold the position. So I'm excited. He won't even hardly answer my text, which makes me smile. Because I know he's 900 miles an hour. I got one at 1 a.m. this morning, which is appropriate uh, for him. And uh, but he knows, you know, I'm here for him anytime, and uh, I'm excited to see what happens to already a program that's really been on the rise and take another good steps under Gerald Harrison's care. Um, so I, I'm really excited for the people that are around Austin P. and the great town of Clarksville. And by the way prayers there. Uh, I know a lot of people that suffered a lot of loss uh, there in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah, prayer for all you guys in Middle Tennessee. That was frightening. Well, Coach, we appreciate that. And and I know you go way back with Clarksville, um, one of the greatest offensive linemen ever to play at the University of Tennessee, Harry Galbraith from Clarksville. But um, you mentioned Gerald Harrison. He, you and he were at Duke at the same time as well, and I figured that that might have had something to do with this. Well, he got introduced to Jeff that way. I brought Gerald from Tennessee to Duke, and, um, you know, I think it was an opportunity. Gerald was, you know, looked at in a, a way I think at Tennessee was a little different. He came in and got an assistant athletic director's position, um, just took off from there after 
Kevin White saw him, I don't know, a year and a half or two years over there with us. He snatched him from me into the mainstream of senior associates, and uh, he, he, he went from there. And Gerald is a superstar in himself with a great work ethic. But, uh, yeah, that exposed him to Jeff. I mean, you, you, when y'all are around him and you spend time with him, you're going to see what I'm talking about. He's He's a great person but he, he's eloquent he can speak you know you got to slow him down sometime i say jeff we're in the south man you know his parents are both from boston so i said hey you know we can't calculate that many words a minute okay we're southerners down here so <laughs> i i slow him down every now and then but uh just i i kind of knew from the get-go that that there was something special there Coach David Cutcliffe joining us here on Main Street Sports today, talking a little bit about new Austin P football coach Jeff Ferris. And, you know, Coach, you mentioned it. We, we've got a, a great contingent of uh, football coaches in Middle Tennessee at the collegiate level right now with Derek and, and Jeff coming on board. Just feels like this is a really good time for Middle Tennessee. And, and you know, when you talk about taking that next step, this is this is obviously a program that has, like you said, been on the rise, but Jeff gives them the ability to continue doing that through, you know, the game being an offensive game right now, it feels like. Yeah. When when you are are trying to be at that highest level of the FCS. It feels like it's a quarterback-driven game. How does how does Jeff play into that? You know, he just got a massive quarterback recruit from East Carolina, uh, a, a transfer. It's already paying dividends. This is this is going to be a big step for for Austin P and for Jeff. It feels well, like this is well, not his end game. Yeah, I had him coach Riley Leonard when Riley came in and. Uh, uh, Riley just made them incredible jumps in progress and, you know, it got him, got him ready. And Jeff's got a great reputation already offensively. And those kids are going to know that. But what, what I talked with Jeff about is at the FCS level, sure. You're going to lose some people occasionally to the portal to get lured to the FBS or even a power five level. But you got a program there at Austin P, and, and you get the right people instilled in the right spots, and you build around it. But he knows how to develop a program. That that's what we had to do at Duke. It was not instant success. You you and you got a chance to develop some greatness there, um, in every position. And I know he's carefully going through his staff to to know that he's got to have coaches that win every day. And Jeff's got one thing on his mind, and that that'd be national championship. And why wouldn't you think that you're a you're in a playoff-driven league? Um, and you know that, that's what he's going to strive to do and build. But you surround yourself with winners. You surround yourself with people that have those same focused goals. I don't know if I like the word goals. Uh, sometimes that just I just think daily habits uh, are champions. Uh, that's where you see the difference. And so whether it's a 
uh, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, uh, you know, all these guys. He's shooter to speak of some, and then, of course, Daniel Jones and Riley. It's Jeff understands daily habits. He's got him himself as a coach, and he will have those players understanding that. Their practices will be fun to watch. I can promise you that. And, Coach, you know, you – you're familiar with the talent level that will be at Jeff's disposal just out his backyard. I mean, yes. Middle Tennessee talent has exploded here over the last 10 to 15 years. It's going to be a lot easier for him to continue that rise for Austin P from a recruiting standpoint than maybe it has been for, for previous coaches up there. Well, I, I certainly hope so and believe that. You know, I hammered the doors of uh... – Nashville starting back in 1982, and as the city and the area erupted, uh, so did high school football. Uh, you know, we, we, we've come a million miles since that time when I was working for Coach Majors. But every player that I ended up signing out of Nashville ended up being really good football players for us in Tennessee. And then later I signed some at Ole Miss that were extremely important to our success. Uh, and what, I, I'll give you one, I'm, I'm getting ready to do a thing on Patrick Willis from Brewston, not all mm -hmm. that far from you guys. And Patrick, you know, in this day and age of stars was a, I think a three-star guy after we, we offered him, but you find those guys in camps, uh, you work hard, you turn every stone, you develop, and Jeff will develop great relationships with the high school coaches. And then you start learning those coaches when they say, hey, I got one. And you know that one knows what he's talking about. And you find those guys. And nobody knew Patrick Willis's name as a freshman until he covered a kickoff in Oxford against Alabama and on the, about the 12 yard line, a guy caught the ball on the goal line, brought it out, his mistake. And Patrick <laughs> separated his body and the ball, and they're still hunting body parts on that return man on the square in Oxford, Mississippi. So, yeah, everybody knew Patrick's name then. Um, and he was freshman All American, but you can find those guys. And I've talked to Jeff about that. I said, you know, hit the road, man. You know, get your coaches out there, win every day, and and he'll have that that opportunity. And I don't know, I can't keep up with him. I don't know anybody that can. I, I think I could have in my youth, but I, I I had to say, Jeff, slow down. We're not going to twelve schools today, okay? You know, <laughs> um, but but he he will take advantage of that opportunity, and I'm a. I'm a big fan of Tennessee high school football. And, uh, you know, you mentioned coaches. I'll mention Clark Lee, who's become a friend in my role mm -hmm. in the SEC. And I coached against Clark when he was a defensive coordinator. What a terrific football coach. And it may not look like it to people the way this season went, but that's, people don't understand. Saturdays is not the only time you measure a coach. There are a lot of things that can occur that affect outcomes on a Saturday. But I go to Vanderbilt for campus visits, and I see all those folks up there winning every day. Every day. I, d I see the same thing up uh, in Knoxville. So you do have some outstanding football coaches, you know, in the state. But right there in Middle Tennessee, that's some really good football 
coaches as well as the collegiate. You also have them in the high school level. So no. uh, I'm excited for Austin P, and I'm certainly excited for Jeff Ferris. No question. You mentioned your uh, role in the SEC, and we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you how much how much of a role you played in the schedule. Yeah, obviously, you know, last night it was released. We know that you you were the one who put Florida and Alabama back to back for Tennessee. Weren't you? <laughs> no, I, I stay away from that. There's a company that we've hired, and they've done an amazing job. The people that stay in the midst of that uh, scheduling. But the balance of that schedule over a 10-year span is scary balanced. There's just not much leeway. And you know well, what? What My wife looked at it, and she said, this is crazy. And I said, wait a minute. Everybody get used to this because mm -hmm. records are going to change. Uh -huh. You can't have a league like that. Look at the NFL. Who won the Super Bowl a year ago? The Chiefs. They don't have a lot of different people, but how many losses do they have right now? Four. Um, there's going to be two and three and four loss teams that are darn good football teams. Yeah, there's no um, question. You're right, because it's easy to be balanced when everybody's good. Well, and you look at the, the, the schedules, each one, you know, because you can pick any of them and think, dang, man, that's challenging. And I looked at it as a coach. Some of them, I'm wondering how I could sleep all summer. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and that does, that keeps you up. You start your summer scouting reports. You get your staff working on it, and um, and then you do your own studies. That's kind of what I did during my vacation. And, uh, Lord, that can get heavy in the summer, let alone at, at least just one week at a time in the, in the fall. You can't think ahead. But, man, when you're looking ahead, it's frightening. Coach David Cocliffe joining us here on Main Street Sports Today. Coach, we appreciate your time so much today. Thanks for enlightening us on Jeff Ferris. We are very excited to have him here in Middle Tennessee and at Austin P. We know he's going to do great things. Yeah, just don't put my picture and Jeff's picture together up there anymore because, man, does he make me look bad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we know how you feel. We know how you feel. I got it. All right, guys. Take Thanks, care. Coach. Main men on Main Street. That's what Thank you, Coach. We appreciate it. All right. Take care. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, 
is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Back now on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint Live again after Throwback Thursday, throwing it back to that interview we had last week with David Cutcliffe about Jeff Ferris up at Austin P. and Always a good time when you can get Coach Cut on. So I would have him on every week if we could. Yeah, he, he is. He's fantastic. Uh, he'd get tired of us, but it would be fun while Just it was. Story time with Coach Cut would be uh, would be fantastic. I mean, that story about Patrick Willis was uh, as good as anything we we yeah got. So yeah, he's, always he's fantastic. Good. And again, I think I said it after the segment last week. The best thing about him is that's him. Yep. Every Wherever time. you run up on him. So love Coach Cut. So we'll go from Coach Cut and talking American football to <laughs> the other football. Yep. Football. With Valer Shabilla. Valer Shabilla, sorry. Uh, and, and this is going to be an interesting segment. because It really is. Despite the MLS season – being in its off season. There is no off season. There's plenty to talk about in the world of soccer. Valer, welcome in. Thanks, guys. Happy to be here with the main man on Main Street. As heard. <laughs> we need that to catch on. We, we that too. Yeah, that might need to be a hashtag or something. Yeah, um, yeah thank there you. you go. Feel free to push that out there, Valer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do my best. But, hey, but, but you're right, there's no off season. There's, I mean, I thought I, I was getting excited after that last match. I was like, oh, I'm going to do so much stuff. And then it's just been, it's been the same. <laughs> just not going to Jordan's Park. That's the only difference. What, what was insane to me, Valer, and as we've discussed on various other times when we've had you on, I'm not a huge soccer fan. And clearly I'm not as familiar with the soccer talent in this area as I should be because I would have never thought that the number one draft pick in MLS mm -hmm. would have come from this area. Yeah, and, and it's actually number eight as well. So number one, number eight, both came from Lipscomb. Um, and uh, both Spicer and Jones uh, are, um, well, for Jones specifically, who was the number eight pick, he, he played in a local club as well here in Middle Tennessee before even going to Lipscomb. So He also well, played at Grace Christian Academy out in Franklin. Is that right? Possibly. I'm not sure, actually. Uh, but um, he, he did play for National United Soccer Academy as well. But that's his club team, not school, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and and for, for Spicer, he's a guy from Trinidad who came in, you know, for education as well as soccer, of course, to Lipscomb. Um, and, you know, the program there with uh, Coach Morrow, he's, he's done a great job in Lipscomb. Uh, it's a program that wasn't really known for soccer, really. Um, but but he's, he's, he's turned it around. And the school clearly cares about the program. 
you look at the improvements in the facilities they've made there. Uh, they have a really nice, um, really nice uh, soccer um, field there, and and even the stands are are pretty cool. And I've I've been to it in the last few years, and you know, the, after their sort of renovations and all that, it, it looks much nicer. And it's it just it, it shows that they care, and with good coaching, good facility, and of course, just overall the general interest for the game of soccer has grown um in the united states but specifically here in middle tennessee uh, i think i think that that does trickle down to finding these draft picks uh high draft picks from from local kids which is which is pretty awesome to see honestly and um you know lipscomb men's and women's um soccer has been has been one of the best throughout middle tennessee for the past few years now yeah it's uh it's it's impressive to, to see that, you know, we, we've talked about the the level of high school football players in this area over the last decade has improved drastically. And it's not just football, though, just the level of athlete in general in all kinds of sports has has increased just ridiculously as people have you know, the influx of people have moved into the mid-state. So it's just really cool to have that connection. Like, wow, number one and two top ten picks? That's absurd. And I think also there was a kid drafted out of Clemson who is from Fairview. Yes, yes. Brent, so uh, Parrish, yeah. Parrish's last name. Um, yeah, he, he, he did play um, high school soccer here in Middle Tennessee as well. Um, and – he, I believe, won national championship with with Clemson last year, if I'm, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he was he went in the second round as well, um, and and he was able to um, get, get drafted as well. I, and it, it is it is it is interesting to look at all these kids who I I honestly think a lot of this has to do with Nashville SC, but also just overall, especially in Williamson County, I think there was a there's been a lot of soccer. Um, a lot of people caring about soccer more. And then now we see it in sort of these areas around Nashville, uh, whether it's, um, you know, even if it's the school programs, high school, middle school, the level of soccer compared to when I went to John Overton High School and kind of the soccer that I watched, I never played because I'm not that good, but but I, I was friends with all the guys, right? And I would watch them. And the level of those high school games and those college games have just gone tremendously higher up. Just, just in the in, in eye test, you know. Uh, obviously, it still takes a lot, and and Nashville is not known as a hotbed for soccer talent or anything like that, compared to some areas in the country like Dallas, for example, LA, um, even areas like Charlotte, DC. Those are areas that, that there is a lot of soccer talent coming out of it. So Nashville becoming one of those. And one thing I do want to mention is the Nashville SC Academy, uh, because what makes MLS different than different than NFL or, or any of the other leagues that we have in America is that the draft is like, you know, maybe the third or fourth most important thing to get young talents, third or fourth most important mechanism to get young Mm -hmm. talent, academy, um, international transfers. Those are higher up more important than the draft. So the next step to see young talents is, Nashville Academy guys, so kids who have been in the Nashville Academy since they were 11, 12, grow up and sign that professional contract. And they have one right now in Dan Sipich, who did sign the first ever homegrown contract with Nashville SC. So that's a kid 
who's played in Nashville, who's part of the Nashville Academy, who currently, as of 2024, will be a Nashville SC player. Now, he'll probably play most of his minutes in Huntsville, uh, their second team, uh, of course, but, but he's still a Nashville SC player, and he's the first ever homegrown kid to have that contract. So that's kind of the next step in the evolution. It's not just getting the college kids, also having a, having a functional academy that's producing talent for Nashville SC and for other teams as well. It could be the second division teams. It could be, uh, could be other MLS teams, could be international teams. Great. Valer Shabula joining us here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint, as we're talking a little professional soccer and trying not to get out over our skis, basically, because this is a very educational. I mean, every time we have Valer on, we learn something because he knows a lot. We know. And we know nothing. So, um, I mean, I think, and I really think that's to our credit a little bit because I've, I'm not going to try to tell you I'm a soccer expert. I'm not. But we can put you in, in touch with folks who are, and Valer definitely qualifies. So, Valer, one thing I noticed in the MLS Super Draft is a lot of these kids that were drafted, like Malachi Jones, they're underclassmen. What is their situation? I mean, they have the option to come back to school, you know, with the transfer portal. That's another story. But, I mean, they have the option to come back to school or sign immediately, or how long does their drafting team retain their rights if they don't come out right now? How does that work? Right. So, uh, first of all, give yourself some credit because you guys, you guys know a little bit more about soccer than you, than you, you, you let on. But, uh, and thank you for bringing me back. I, I can explain anything, right? Uh, but, um, but in terms of that, it's a new thing that, uh, that MLS is doing uh, with their draft is that given the option for kids to go back to school, finish up their season, and then come, come and join their team, the, the teams that drafted them will have their rights until they sign for a different team. And if another team wants to sign them, then they'll have to buy those rights from that team. So uh, they will always have those rights if they play in MLS. Now, of course, they can probably go and sign somewhere internationally. That's out of MLS's hands. But, you know, again, that's not happening a lot for these college kids because generally international teams are looking for 16, 17, maybe 18-year-olds. They're not looking at 20-something-year-olds. For National SC and for teams who drafted these younger underclassmen, like you, like you said, it might be for their benefit for them to go and play their last season or their last two seasons with their, with their school because that is guaranteed minute for these kids. So if they come and join your team or even your second team, it's not guaranteed that they're going to play. Um, they, they might sit on the bench. They might, they might not find a spot. Um, and, and some of them might just find it hard to adapt, right? So maybe they want to go finish up their degree or, or, or anything of that nature, right? So you want to give them that option, I think. And, and most importantly, since they've already committed to, to, to go into this team, you know that you can, you can bring them back. And, and the, the one thing about the college draft or the super draft with MLS is that very, very rarely do players end up playing meaningful MLS minutes the first year they're drafted, very rarely, especially not attacking players. Generally, what happens is that they come and they come to the team, um, they get sent to the second team, or maybe they, uh, they they start training with this first team a little bit. Maybe they'll get a minute in the Open Cup, which I know we'll talk about in a second. Uh, maybe maybe they'll get uh, they'll, they'll get some minutes in these other competitions. Maybe they'll go with the team to a preseason, 
But very rarely are they playing meaningful first minutes. And sometimes they go alone to USL or second division teams, right? So that could be their loan. Their loan is that they're going back to their school team and playing there. But these guys who are getting drafted, they're playing every single minute for their school team. They're, they're the captains. They're, the, uh, they're, they're you know, the, that solid center back that's going to play every minute, start every game, or that striker who's scoring goals. That sort of experience they probably can't get with the second team with the pros. Uh, but again, there are some teams who are uh, who have maybe more complex style of play who would want kids to come as soon as possible and play for them as soon as possible. Now, those teams generally kind of skip the draft altogether, trade all their picks away and just develop their own kids separate from the draft. Like Philadelphia Union, every year the Philadelphia Union just gives away all of all of their all their picks and say, nope, we're good. We don't want to, we don't want to use the college system. We'll just use our academy. There's a couple teams like that around the league, but. Uh, Nashville SC has been a big fan of the draft so far since they came to the league and they used it as a mechanism and developed some really, really fine players from it. Uh, Jack Mayer is the, probably the biggest name, um, you know, constant starting center back, very, very high level player. Um, and he's finding finding it really great in Nashville and, and really enjoying it. Valeria Shabila again here with us on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Valer, you just mentioned it. Let's talk about it. The U.S. <laughs> soccer and MLS drama as it relates to the U.S. Open Cup. Last Friday, the MLS announced that it would send its next pro teams to the Open Cup in 2024. Yesterday, the U.S. soccer folks said, no, you won't. <laughs> no, that's not yeah. how this works. It, it, it was a request. You requested it, mm -hmm. and we denied your request. And it made me think of uh, my cousin Vinny overruled. <laughs> and like, that's all I could think of because, <laughs> like, I feel like this is, this is going to end up in court somewhere or something. But – it, it kind of give us a backstory here. MLS, why don't they want to play in the, in the U.S. Open Cup? And secondly, what recourse does U.S. soccer have, if any? So MLS, their main reason of why they didn't want to participate in the U.S. Open Cup or not participate in their first teams in the U.S. Open Cup is because fixture congestion or just that just means there are too many games, right? So they're saying – they're saying we're playing too much games. The players are tired. The players are getting injured. We shouldn't be playing at that many games. And for that reason, we're going to send our second teams to the U.S. Open Cup because, well, they didn't say that publicly, but Don Garber, the commissioner, the MLS commissioner, has stated on multiple times that the conditions of play for the U.S. Open Cup are just unacceptable, and he just doesn't see U.S. Open Cup as a – prestigious enough competition, I guess, as the way it is. What U.S. soccer has is a policy and, well, they have the law in their hand, which says the highest, um, the highest level of soccer, the highest uh, division of soccer, which is MLS, must participate in the U.S. Open Cup. Now, MLS can come back and say technically because Nashville owns Huntsville, that's they're sending Huntsville instead of Nashville, right? Mm -hmm. So there's there's a lot of back and forth. And I think what, what kind of became clear as these statements started coming out yesterday, so like you said, they announced an, MLS announced their decision on 
Friday afternoon, which is, you know, when you want to announce all the good decisions, right? Uh, so, so they announced that. The trash. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and I think, I think they were a little surprised on the reaction. I think there was just a lot of, you know, a lot of fans and a lot of journalists and, and even former players, uh, former coaches came out and just said, this is ridiculous. Why, why are we doing this? Why is this the solution for, the, for that problem? And I think what it slowly started becoming more clear to me after all the statements yesterday that you mentioned is that MLS might have seen this opportunity as a negotiation. Maybe they knew all along that they can't pull their first teams and just wanted to use that to see where they stand or where their power is. We'll wait and see what happens. The, the, thing with the, the thing with the U.S. Open Cup is that MLS teams have been playing their kids and their second teams in, in it anyway. So that's the part that a lot of people are confused about. There are the MLS rules, the MLS um, roster rules are very complex, right? So you can't play X amount of internationals. You can't play, you have to play X amount of local kids, whatever. However, when the team plays in the U.S. Open Cup, those rules don't apply because MLS rules do not apply to U.S. Open Cup. So National SC can theoretically bring all the Huntsville guys and play as Nashville. And that's so because... Okay. U.S. soccer doesn't have those restrictions. The MLS roster includes, to put in baseball terms, the major league club, the the AAA club, Mm -hmm. the AA club, the single A club, the rookie ball club, everybody. Yeah. (laughs) And you can play anybody you want. They can bring academy kids. They can bring any, like you said, anyone within that franchise, which is a lot of players. So what? So what you're telling me is there is no recourse for U.S. soccer here. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, the the thing is they just want the name, right? So when you when you look at when you look at a competition and you see Inter Miami, let's just yeah. get to, to, to what, what everybody's asking about. You see Inter Miami <laughs> versus Pittsburgh Riverhounds, whatever, who is a USL team. You're gonna be more interested in that because there is a possibility that Messi's gonna play. Now, if you look and see Inter Miami 2, you're probably not going to watch that match because it's a second team and you don't care. So the, the other thing is that once, these, uh, co- once the competition goes further along, so the quarterfinals, the semifinals, the final, these teams are no longer playing their kids. They're playing their regular starters because there is something in the line. If you win the Open Cup, not only are you winning a cup, which is a big deal, of course, you're winning a competition, you also qualify for... Uh, the Champions Cup, which I know we we might we might need to do a whole whole another thing on that. But we t- we talked a little bit about that uh, at a pre in a previous show because yeah. the Champions Cup includes the Concacaf and yep. all of those other uh, league cups that that are you know so it's just one big cup for everybody. Yep, for the continent. Yes, yeah. Central America, North America, and the Caribbean. That's that's what it is for. Yeah. And so. You know, it, it, say that's the case if, let's say, Nashville SC takes its Huntsville team and wins the U.S. Open Cup, can they play Nashville SC in the CONCACAF? That's that's the mm. stuff that's unclear at the moment. Mm. And gotcha. if, if, they, if they enter the tournament as Huntsville, they will not be able to take Nashville. I don't think that, they can. That, that, enter I'd Huntsville. be very surprised if that's how it works. Um, the other way around, you can though, right? If, if you're playing under Nashville SC's team, 
then you can take whoever you want. Because again, the CONCACAF rules, who, who control, who, who governs the Champions Cup, they're not as strict as the MLS roster, right? So there's no cap for, for CONCACAF, for example. Uh, so you can realistically sign a player for a day, have him play this game, and then he goes away. I mean, nobody's doing that. But, but the, since there are no, no, uh, res, uh, no restrictions, or not as many restrictions, I should say, as mm-hmm. MLS, you can play your, your Huntsville guys, for example, mm-hmm. here, uh, and you can play your second team guys as well. This is absurd, <laughs> is what it is. And I think this is going to end up being a battle that neither one of these organizations want to fight. But I feel like the U.S. Open Cup has a lot more to lose. They, they definitely do, right? And in, in terms of in terms of uh, marketability, if you lose the MLS uh, name, if you lose the MLS team names, your your tournament's already way less marketable. However, the U.S. Federation, U.S. Soccer Federation, sits under CONCACAF. CONCACAF sits under FIFA, and there are some rules from FIFA and CONCACAF and the U.S. Soccer Federations that prevents MLS from pooling their teams from the U.S. Open Cup. That's just the law as well, and that's the, the thing with soccer. Now, <laughs> FIFA and CONCACAF are not known to be the most transparent organizations out there. No, no, um, no. So, you know, I wouldn't hold out too much hope there. Um, and and the, the other thing I, I think we should mention is that the U.S. Open Cup is such a historic tournament. And when I say historic, I don't mean just that it's old. It's also very important. So each country has a national championship, if you would call it that. And the U.S. Open Cup is America's version of that. It started in 1914. It's over 100 years of history. And it's the only continuous soccer competition in the United States that has even half as much as the U.S. Open Cup. There isn't even one. MLS didn't start till 96, just to give you an example. The other thing about the U.S. Open Cup is that it gives uh, gives opportunity to teams like uh, USL teams and and below teams to participate. We had an amateur team a few years back beat two pro teams, an amateur team. So these are the storylines. These are the things that U.S. Open Cups provide that you can't find in any other sport in America because you don't see that. Um, This is kind of like if there was a a true – Division One FBS national tournament with the ability for Liberty and Tulane, et cetera, to get to play games against Georgia, Alabama, and prove that they're not good enough. That's basically what this would be. Yeah. And so that's interesting. Man. And even taking a step further, you can. There was a team two years ago named after a liquor store. They just kind of got together and. Chico's Bell Bonds. Yeah. Bad news bears. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> oh, well, Valer, thanks for taking some time and, and, and educating us a little bit on what's going on. It is a it, it is insane. We'll keep we'll keep up with it and we'll get you back on when, when something new comes up and we, we appreciate it again. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. All right. That's Valer Shabilla. Follow him at Valer Shabilla on Twitter. He shoots and he scores.
Since 1975, Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic has treated the orthopedic needs of Middle Tennessee residents. The trained physicians provide surgical options and minimally invasive options to treat all orthopedic needs. The walk-in clinic, OrthoQuick, helps you bypass the ER while treating sports injuries and acute needs Monday through Saturday. Visit MTBJ online at mtbj.net or on social media at Mid-Tennessee Bone Joint Clinic. The new sports betting app exclusively in Tennessee the last few months, and I'm excited to share with you some big news. Now, when you sign up for a Zen Sports account, you will receive up to a $1,000 no danger first wager. That's right, when you place your first bet in Zen Sports with up to plus 500 odds, you can be reimbursed for the amount of your bet up to a $1,000 maximum within 24 hours if the bet loses. And there's more good news Zen Sports is rolling out its brand new VIP rewards program. This new VIP rewards program will allow top-tier customers to earn more bonuses, comps, and perks. The VIP program is by invite only, so if you feel your Zen Sports Play qualifies for VIP consideration, please check out the program details and apply at zensports.com slash VIP. No other sportsbook will offer you a premier sports betting experience with 24-7 top-tier customer support and faster withdrawals than Zen Sports. So what are you waiting for? Get going and download their app at zensports.com today. Zen Sports, betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 and older and in Tennessee to bet. Smiles. These are the healthy smiles of real Delta Dental members. Folks with access to the nation's largest network of dentists and low deductible plans with 100% preventive care coverage, all backed by over 65 years of expertise. Go online or give us a call to learn about affordable individual plans that meet your needs. 1-855-844-0445. This holiday season, the largest lantern festival in the country returns to Nashville Zoo. Witness more than 1,000 handcrafted Chinese lanterns featuring brand new designs, including towering mythical beasts, a life-sized Santa's workshop, and a 100-foot-long dragon. Welcome back to Zoo Illumination at Nashville Zoo. Bigger, brighter, and better than ever. Hey, welcome back. It's Main Street Sports Day presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao. Mo Patton here on this wild and wacky Wednesday, the weirdest and wildest news from across the world still to come later in the show should be, should be interesting as always, because you never know what kind of lawsuits might pop up in these things. We've still got what, an hour and a half. <laughs> exactly. So looking forward to, to that and much, much more right now though, I want to get into the shield as there are reports, Mo, that Bill Belichick is out at the end of this season. Even Pat McAfee said it to Robert Kraft's face on game day. He's like, you know, we're not looking forward to what you've got to do. 
<laughs> I mean, he, he just put it out there. And Kraft basically said, you know, we, we our goal is to win football games. Well, they're certainly not reaching that goal. And they're right not reaching now. that goal right now. So, Except against Pittsburgh. Bill Belichick out in New England at the end of the year. Are you, they, is is that not, a statement? No. Who do you go with? Oh, Who's your call? Ooh. Hmm. I think Robert Kraft could do a whole lot of folks a favor if he called Nick Saban. I don't think I don't think Nick's going back to the NFL one, and he's certainly not going to do it at this age. I don't I don't know that he is, but I I think you make the call. Well, there's going to be a call made from those two areas between those two areas, because Nick Saban's certainly going to call Bill Belichick and say, "Hey, do you want to come help out?" But Belichick, I'm not sure Belichick. I'm not sure he. Isn't done. I mean, I, I'm saying I mean, help out. I ain't saying, you know, defensive coordinator or nothing. I'm not sure he isn't done. Like, go God, put his, go put his feet up and and smoke cigars and drink some really good bourbon and are guys you know, like maybe eat some seafood. I, I mean, guys with that kind of mindset and drive, are they ever really done? I don't know. You know he lives here. Mm-hmm. Not in Columbia. He lives in Middle Tennessee. Well, he was dating a lady who actually graduated from Franklin High School. I don't think they're currently together. <laughs> so, so I don't know how that impacts. Well, see, and that's another impact part right there. Is It's not like he's got a wife at the house, like, you know, who he can go spend retirement years and you know, travel the world or whatever. Just because he doesn't have one doesn't mean he couldn't have one. Oh, he, he certainly could, but he's not got somebody in his ear saying, Bill, I want to travel. Bill, I want to go here. Bill, I want to go there. Bill, Bill, Bill. Bill. <laughs> he don't awful. have that. So, I mean, he can do whatever he wants to do. Whether it's coach football or smoke cigars and drink bourbon. I would opt for the latter. I, yeah, but I mean. And, and I'm not even a cigar smoker, but. No, but still, I, I, would. I just feel like this is an interesting situation for, for Bill Belichick, because I do think he, I do think that he's going to end up in some sort Who's of. Who's it more interesting for, Bill Belichick or New England? Let me tell you what I would do. I think it's more interesting from an excitement standpoint for Bill Belichick. I think it's more interesting from a desperation standpoint for New England because who do you get to follow the man? Let me tell you what I would do. And you just said you could do a lot of folks a favor. Kirby Smart? No. Oh, okay. Who? Mike Tomlin. I'm just saying you could do worse, a lot worse. And I mean, he maybe Pittsburgh needs a breath of fresh air. 
maybe Mike Tomlin needs a breath of fresh air. But he doesn't have a quarterback in Pittsburgh. He doesn't have a quarterback in New England. Why is he? I mean, and it's a quarterback-driven league, as we've said 8 million times on this show. If I'm a coach in that league in particular, I got to know who my quarterback is before I make that move, particularly if I got a job. But do you get out ahead of the posse? I don't know that Mike Tomlin necessarily has to get out ahead of the posse because, again, if Pittsburgh were to be that stupid, I still feel like he would have a job before they had him replaced. Sure, but wouldn't it just be, you know, on your own terms kind of thing, you know. There is something to be said for for leaving on your own. I just Trust I me. just feel like it's a phone call I would make. Mm-hmm. Now they'd have to get permission to talk to him. Sure. Which and they'd have to give up compensation because he is still under contract. But assuming Pittsburgh wanted compensation, maybe they just want to be rid of him. Maybe they trade him. Yeah. I'm just saying it's a phone call I would make. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. And outside of that, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't think there's anybody that just jumps out at you and says, this is the guy for New England. Because this isn't multiple Super Bowl championship winning New England at this point. This is this is much more similar to 90s New England where they were good occasionally. another team. Yeah, they were good once in a decade, and pretty dreadful the rest of the time. And, I mean, look at the rest of that division. And Drew Bledsoe ain't walking through the door, much less Tom Brady. Do you really want to jump into that AFC East right now? Uh, So, it's funny you say that. (laughs) I mean, outside of the Dolphins, who are only – they're only fair – Again, it's it's ironic that we're talking about the Dolphins being the best team in that division, given what just happened two nights ago. Well, and, and they've not beaten a team with a with, with a winning record. They won nine ball games out of thirteen, 13. which puts them at the top of their division. Yeah, but again, they're fair. I mean, if if. If the Dolphins can't beat a team with a winning record and I can get a winning record, then I got a pretty good shot of beating the Dolphins. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> this is kind of where I'm at. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like this is a situation where, and, and I don't think the Bills are, you know, anything special. And that's part of the next thing I want to talk about. So I won't get there yet. But I think the AFC East is it is obtainable from New England. I think they've got a pretty decent defense, but they don't have any offense to speak of. And it's not just quarterback. They don't have any wide receivers either. They don't have anybody to throw to. And that's one reason they don't have a very good quarterback. <laughs> so I don't know. Just, to, just I, I don't know who I would call. I think Robert Kraft needs to have some sort of plan in place if he is going to get rid of Bill Belichick. That's the thing. Because maybe the best move is no move. It may not. It may, it may be the best thing to do. But I can tell you. I don't know. 
But then at that point, it becomes a question of whether it's even Kraft's move to make because Belichick might, again, just, just say, be done. He may just be done. Hey, man, I'm going to go. I'm going to go watch film with my buddy Nick, and we're going to chit-chat over whatever. And then, <laughs> and then he's going to you know, go coach on, on Saturday, and I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit here and watch football. I'm going to watch the ball hours or whatever. And, and have a good time. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's, that, that would be interesting. Now, mm-hmm. Cam Newton, he without a job. Cam, Cam. oh, Cam. First of all, why does Cam Newton not have a job? In in the world of the NFL, that again, because mm-hmm. you got you, you don't want to answer that. You got to think about, you know, as you like to say, there are only fifteen people, and this man won that an MVP play that position. This man won an MVP playing that position. And it wasn't that long ago. I mean, I could answer your question, but, but neither you nor a, a good segment of our viewers slash listeners really want to hear it. So. Do you think that Cam Newton is a distraction? <laughs> is that part of why he doesn't have a job? Are you familiar with the name Andrew Gill? Yes. I don't think he's a distraction, but there are people that do. So, Well, and that's why I ask. I mean, because one of the knocks on Tim Tebow was he's a distraction. No, another knock was that he wasn't very good at his position in the NFL, though. He won a playoff game. And there are a lot of quarterbacks who can't say that. Go back and look at that I, game I know. and who it was against. Well, they still won the game, and he threw the game winning touchdown pass. I'm saying that one of the, that was one Would of the. Would you knocks. want Tim Tebow a, coach, a quarterback in your favorite team? No, but I also don't think I would want Cam Newton over you know Will Levis. Okay, no, now, not, if not I, over but, if Will I'm, but if I'm the Jets or something or. You know, I mean, maybe the, the Patriots, the Packers, I'm mean, not Packers, the, no. the Vikings, the Vikings are starting Nick Mullins right now. Oh, they're no longer starting. Yeah. Dobbs is out. Oh, well. So that's tough. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Cam Newton can play in some places. Las Vegas. See, Play and put him in Las Vegas. Can't be a distraction there. Everything's a distraction. He fits right in. Yeah. They think he's an insurance salesman. <laughs> With his fedora and his scarf, yeah. But I think that's why he doesn't have it. Or that's one major reason he doesn't have a job is because of the, the, the perceptions. The theatrics that he gives in those press conferences and stuff. Now, that has nothing to do with what this conversation is. The conversation is about him saying that Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy are game managers and not difference makers in the NFL as quarterbacks. Dak Prescott, who is an MVP candidate right now, is a game manager and not a difference maker. There were there are people that will tell you that when Dak was out last season, I guess, that the Cowboys didn't necessarily lose anything with was it Cooper Cooper Rush? Mm-hmm. So I mean 
I um. Well, I mean, based on this year, I think I think we've dispelled that rumor. You'd like to think. <laughs> You'd like to think. I mean, think that think that rumor's put to bed. Uh, now, game manager. Two years is, ago, Dak struggled, but he was hurt. Mm -hmm. He wasn't a hundred percent Dak. Dak. Dak coming out of, of Mississippi State, Dak this year, very similar Dak's. I think he, he had some injuries in there because he was kind of like Cam, not protected as much as some other quarterbacks were. I don't I, – I think Dak can be a difference maker. I think sometimes you have to live with some of the bad to get to the good with Dak. Um. And I think probably Brock Purdy, particularly in that San Francisco offense, is a game manager. I mean, I'm, I'm not is not a game manager, is a difference maker. But it's I think it's a little easier to be a difference maker when you have Christian McCaffrey and 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 Debo Samuel and some of the folks that he's got to work with. of quarterbacks with more than a hundred yards passing on the year. And I say that because Jaron Hall is the only other quarterback who has more yards per attempt than Brock Purdy. Jaron Hall has 101 passing yards on the season. <laughs> Brock Purdy is third in the, in, in the league in passing yards. He is third in the league behind Dak Prescott and Josh Allen in touchdowns. He's thrown just seven interceptions to Prescott's six. And he is it's so hard to – he is the highest-ranked quarterback rating in the league of quarterbacks with more than 100 yards passing. Mm -hmm. Malik Willis has a little bit better yeah, I don't. I, I don't. Brock think... Purdy is a he is a Super Bowl caliber, Super Bowl winning caliber quarterback. He's not a check down Charlie as they like to not, say. No, no, he's he, a, he, not he, ten he, yards an attempt. He lets it fly, and he's got guys that can go get it. That's the thing. That's the thing. Sure, but you got to have guys who can go get it, but you also got to be able to make the decision, the correct decision on who to who, throw it to. Which of those guys? Yeah. Well, I mean, you got three guys running wide open. I mean, it's, it helps. Yeah. But Brock Purdy is, he's not going to win you games, but he's not going to lose you games. And I don't think that's necessarily game manager, but I also don't think it's. I don't know that he's not going to win you games again with what else he's got to work with. I I, I wonder And I hate to say this because so many people fall back on it, but I would love to know what the context of Cam Newton's comments were. What else went with that? Yeah, I, I understand. Um, I didn't watch the interview because I didn't watch it. Right. Don't care mm -hmm. to. <laughs> I don't care to watch interviews with any professional athlete for that. Long. And so I just, I I just feel like it it comes off a little bit as haterish. 
It probably is. And I, <laughs> but here's he, the thing. Because Cam probably wonders or feels if like they can do it. I can do it. I can still do it. If Russell Wilson's got a job, I ought to have a job. Shit, if Zach Wilson's got a job, like you said. I mean, again, I don't necessarily argue with your 15 guys. I mean, could Cam Newton play in Atlanta? Absolutely. Could probably play anywhere in the NFC South. <laughs> Including his former team. No question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, when you start going through, could he play in Washington? Absolutely. Could he play in New York for the, the Giants? Giants? I mean, yeah, but I think Tommy I think, DeVito. I think Tommy DeVito. Tommy and his, DeVito. I think him and his agent might be on the to the moon, baby. But I mean, anybody with an agent like that, I don't want to play there. I don't want to take his job. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the DeVitos are gonna do. Goodness, oh goodness. But I mean, when you start going one through thirty-two and saying, "Is Cam better than?" X, like you said, Minnesota. There's 10 or 12. Pretty close. Pretty close. And okay. so... I mean, when, when, Matt, little, when, when Matthew Stafford was out for the Rams. Absolutely. When Kyler Murray was out for the Cardinals. Heck, when Kyler Murray is in for the Cardinals. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, he can play in Arizona right now. I mean... You know, when, when you start doing that, though... Sure. It, it just it feels it feels like it's a it's a little haterish, but it's also based. It's it's well earned it's haterish. haterish. Yes, yes, it's <laughs> it's petty, but it's perfectly it, fine to be petty. You know, when, don't if you can talk it, if you can back it up, it ain't bragging. Right? And 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 if you think he can't back it up, then you should give him the opportunity to try. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50 plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731 and schedule your tour today. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. 
Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtvj.net. Now, now, our other top story. As you were saying before you were so rudely. Maybe a, a, a slightly bigger top story, just a little bit, is that Middle Tennessee State did name a football coach. Derek Mason was announced this morning at a press conference uh, by MTSU leadership. Uh, so we have highlights from that press conference coming up. So let's take a look. Uh, thank you. Uh, there is an old saying that uh, a thousand mile journey begins with a single step and today we're taking that step and it's a very significant step. We all must keep in mind this only represents the one step in this thousand mile journey. For us to complete this journey, we all must work together. And, and I ask our fans, our alumni, and all who love MTSU to rally behind the program so that we can be the conference champions who makes the CFP playoffs. Today offers a new beginning as we close the books on an eight-day process that was fluid and dynamic. After numerous Zooms, countless phone calls, and several face-to-face -face interviews, we landed in a great spot. We had an outstanding group of finalists, outstanding group, who I have no doubt would have excelled here at MTSU. I thank them for all their interest in MTSU. During his press conference last week, our athletic director, Chris Massaro, emphasized that from the moment we made the decision to take our football program in a new direction, there was universal agreement on the characteristics that we wanted in our next coach. And you no doubt have heard about our desire to select an individual who will engage our supporters and build a rapport with not only our supporters but also our fans, but also a coach who will effectively engage those outside of the Blue Raider family, a coach who will bring new interests to our program and create excitement among state and national media. Our new head football coach, ladies and gentlemen, whom I will in introduce in just a few moments, I believe that all my heart and soul has that ability. He clearly wants to be our next leader of our football program. I looked him in the eyes. He clearly wants to be here at MTSU. And I know that his family wants to be in Murfreesboro. His wife, Leanne, is here. Would you stand, Leanne? And let us thank you for your support. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's my honor and my privilege to introduce to you and bring to the stage our dynamic new exciting, incredible new MTSU Blue Raider head football coach, Coach Derek Mason.
Wow. I didn't know uh, if we were at a pep rally or a Beyonce concert. Uh, my thank yous uh, would like to start with the Board of Trustees. Um, I want to thank them. I've had a chance to talk to uh, a couple of our board members, and uh, it, it, this is a special place. And they've been able to tell me how special, and for me, um, it's, it's resonated. I'd like to start with uh, talking about our players. Okay, and I had a meeting with our players last night, uh, Dr. McPhee and uh, Chris and I sat down and talked about the idea of, of wanting them to be the first recipients uh, of, of our relationship and what this thing was going to look like. So instead of meeting this morning, we met last night, impromptu meeting. And what I can tell you, um, much like many 18 to 22 year olds who are in the dark and don't quite understand uh, you know, what just happened to them, a lot of hurt in the building, just wanting to know and understand what's next. So we started with what's next. We started with the idea of me talking to them about just love, loving them, meeting them where they are, and understanding that every one of those players is valued and valuable within our program. Stay here. Be a Blue Raider. And I, I, I think having an opportunity to shake every one of those players' hands. Okay, I shook every player's hand. I had a chance to talk to our coaches. I wanted to know names. What started is maybe something that may go 20 minutes. We were in there at least for an hour and 45 minutes. Why? Because mending relationships and love takes a little bit of time. So let's get that right. I love Tennessee. I feel like Nashville has become the entertainment capital and hub of the South. And when you look at what we have here in the borough, from the Ville to the borough, it's exciting. We are connected, but very much our own community. We are blue collar, just like the blue we wear. Hard working folks wanting the opportunity to be great. So let's be great. <laughs> Murfreesboro, um, in my opinion, when you talk about Rutherford County, and really the Middle Tennessee area, is probably some of the most fertile recruiting area in this state. <laughs> talent on talent on talent. And it's our job to keep it here. So this staff will be committed to the idea of watching our community players, the best of the best, come here, play here, graduate here, and live here. Let's do that. MTSU graduates 5,000 students per year. 5,000. That's exceptional. One in six 
They reside in Nashville, a graduate. One of six graduates resides in Nashville. So when I talk about the veal to the borough, you don't think we're well represented? We are. We got to wake it all up. It's time to shake it up. Time to let everybody know who we are, where we sit, where we stand, and what the mission is. We want to win championships here. Make no bones about it. We want to rock this new updated stadium that's coming here in 2025, but we got work to do between now and then. The commitment is there. The work's got to be done. So we'll get the work. It's our time. We're going to be dedicated to making sure, okay, from the class to the grass, okay, man, from the educational opportunities as well as the growth opportunities for our student athletes on and off the field, that they get it done. The cost of getting it wrong is way too expensive, so we're going to get it right. We are ready to hit the ground running, and I do understand that recruiting is going on right now. So as I land this plane, and as we all get together, okay, in understanding that Derek Mason, myself, standing here before you, is about serving you. So whatever I can do, I will do in service of the Blue Raider community. So let's make sure we get that done. I'm ready to roll, so let's go Blue. Man, I was there when all of that was being said this morning, but it, hearing it again just kind of sends chills as, as an MTSU graduate. So. It, it hits a little different when you can hear that second time and you get a chance to really because you're in the middle of a bunch of people and you're trying to listen. And, but, you know. Well, you're listening for different reasons right. at that point. You're listening for sound bites and to take notes and that kind of thing. But again, as a as a graduate, you know, as somebody who was there when MTSU was going to Division One AA playoffs and that kind of thing, and mm -hmm. and as someone who covered the program when it was making the transition from One AA to D1. And with a Hall of Fame coach in Boots Donnelly, you know, to just see that excitement and hear that excitement in that room this morning was really, was really exciting. And, and like I said, I was there, so had the opportunity to um, get some additional in, individual interviews with, with Derek, with President McPhee, and with Chris Massaro. So we've got those for you as well. Derek come on to y'all's radar. Did he call y'all? Did y'all call him? How did that go? It was a two-way street. I'm sorry? Two ways. Hmm. He was interested, we were interested. But who made the initial contact? Um, I can't remember exactly, but I think you know, the AD, uh, I think it was Chris made that initial con contact. But he, he really fit all the characteristics that Chris and I talked about before we even start the formal search. And then we had a lot of folks who called us, um, but in the end, we got who we wanted. Anything else? Uh, both. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, he's no stranger to Rutherford County and, and the football here, and Williamson County football and Davidson County football. And that was one of the things that was attractive to me and to Dr. McPhee is he kind of had a home court advantage.
you know, and he knew the area. So we don't have to draw maps for him on how to get to Brentwood High School, you know, and, and how, to, how, to, how to navigate our state. And let's not forget about Memphis, you know, and, and, and how we navigate that. And so he had that, he has those inroads. So we, we don't have to GPS him to the local high schools. So to me, that was really important as well, Darren. Well, you got to go meet players where they are. So, I mean, it, it's, about, it's about getting in living rooms. It's about getting in front of these high school coaches. Um, you know, when I was able to recruit at Vanderbilt, look, look different, okay, all the way around. Still wanted the academic rigors, wanted, want. Here, we still want the academic, uh, you know, prowess. We want student athletes, men who want to achieve. And, like, let me say this, and, and I, I, I want this to go out to our student athletes, the guys that we're looking at recruiting. If you want to play football, develop, okay, man, and be a really good player, come here to MTSU. Okay, we're going to get that done. The whole NIL deal, hey, I get it. I get where it's at. I get, I get where we're going. Okay, man, I want to be a part of it. But let me tell you something. It's about retention. It's about making sure, okay, that we develop the guys in this okay. area so that our fan base can come watch our own, okay, man, play at a high level. Yeah. Um, you know, really, um, it was going to take a lot because me and my wife, like, talked, you know, coordinator jobs, NFL opportunities. I mean, I spent a lot of time during the offseason, myself, <coughs> Leslie Frazier, um, and, and, and some other coaches were on Zoom calls on Thursdays, man, just talking about NFL ball. I, I probably really saw myself going right back to the NFL, like to be honest. And that was that was my where my focus was. I mean, it was coordinating in the NFL I mean, and getting back to that. But there, there was just something about um, this job, you know, home. I've been, here, I've been here in Tennessee now 10 years, and you know, it, it, it may, I may seem new to some people, but like 10 years in Tennessee, man, that, that's, like, that's like 25 dog years, you know, uh, you know, for other people in other places. You know, Tennessee is a place that's grown, right, especially in the middle Tennessee area. You know, from the Ville, from the Ville to the borough, it's all grown. So it, this, it, it, felt, it felt right to me, okay? The, the, I'm a blue-collar guy. Um, I know I've coached at some upper echelon schools in terms of the academic deal, but this is an upper academic situation. So for me, I, I just feel like between the ball, between the opportunity, like to be great, the community, I mean, I'm a community guy, so you're going to see me in the community. That's really what I do. I mean, I'm going to spend time, get our guys in the community. Why? Because it's a limited college experience, man, when all you do is play football and you don't get a chance to experience what the community has in store for you. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. 
Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50 plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731 and schedule your tour today. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. We are live from the Lee Company studio here in Columbia. Chris Yao, Mo Patton. Glad to have you guys along with us as we continue talking about Middle Tennessee State's brand new football coach, Derek Mason. We are joined by News Channel 5's Steve Lehman. To continue the conversation, Steve, thanks for joining us, man. You bet, Chris. Mo, how are you guys doing? We're doing well. Just um, been running, obviously, as as are you, apparently. But I um, appreciate you taking some time with us. But, you know, you dealt you dealt with Derek quite often during his Vanderbilt tenure. Uh, and it felt like there was some excitement just among folks who had dealt with Derek when he was at Vanderbilt to see him back in the saddle today. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think, number one, everybody who's dealt with Derek Mason knows the type of man he is, and he's a really upstanding, good, solid man, and I think a really good football coach, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I think anybody who knows him is excited for him to have an opportunity just personally. But the other side of this to me is Chris Massaro coming through on what he said he was setting out to do last week. And that's to try to reinvigorate this middle Tennessee football program that let's face it, the crowds have dwindled in the last few years and it seemed like it had just gotten a bit stagnant for whatever reason and that they needed to inject some life into the program. And he said last week, we need to find a guy who's got some personality to him and that brings a little bit of that pizzazz to the table for this football program. And you kind of wondered who that guy might be and what better guy than a guy who has a great personality that's known in the area, that's known by high school football coaches around to come in and excite your fan base. And the other thing about it is it's not just the fan base, but I think you have a lot of people around the country who wouldn't normally pay attention to the middle Tennessee coaching hire that perked up yesterday when the report started to come out that it was Derek Mason, a former SEC coach, a guy who had a lot of success in the Pac-12 as a defensive coordinator at Stanford, and a guy with NFL ties. For middle Tennessee to attract that coach, I think you had a lot of football people take notice. And, you know, Steve, for all of the naysayers with regard to his record at Vanderbilt, Derek Mason is one of two coaches that have taken Vanderbilt to multiple bowl game appearances. 
Yeah, that's, no, that's a very good point. That was one of the things that I had tweeted at me or X'd at me, whatever it's called now, by multiple people today about, oh, 25 and 57 record or 10 and 46 in the SEC. Well, first off, Middle Tennessee isn't competing in the SEC. And I think we all know Vanderbilt has some challenges. Clark Lee's learning that right now. And every coach other than James Franklin has learned the hard way about the Vanderbilt job dating back to World War II. That's how far you have to go back to find the coach before Franklin to have a winning record in his time at Vanderbilt. That is not an easy job. And Derek Mason got them to two bowl games in that time. It didn't end well, but he made them competitive while he was there. They were more competitive early on in the Mason era than they have been during Clark Lee's first three years. And you can say that about many other coaches there. So I think there's a good track record of Derek Mason, the football coach. And now he has an opportunity to school that he's not going to have to deal with quite the same academic standards. No knock on Bill Tessie, but it's not trying to get SEC caliber football players into Vanderbilt and deal with that. You're not dealing with the resource game of Vanderbilt versus Georgia or Alabama or Tennessee. And he just gets to go coach ball with a fertile recruiting ground right there in Rutherford County and the surrounding area here in middle Tennessee, where I think he can put some pretty competitive football teams on the field almost immediately. And I think a lot of people in this area are going to be excited to see that and go back and look at the rosters that he put together at Vanderbilt. He recruited this area. And so as Chris Massaro was saying, he doesn't need a GPS to get to Brentwood or to Ravenwood or to Riverdale or to those places. He knows he's been on those campuses. He's recruited at those schools successfully. And his team showed that when he was at Vanderbilt. And I think that's going to be something that's going to drive some excitement in this fan base as well. Seeing yeah, local I think kids. so. I think so, because when you have people who grew up watching guys play at Ravenwood or Oakland or Blackman or up at one of the Nashville schools or, or a Brentwood or something like that, when you see those kids then play for the local university, it's something to get behind. And I'm with you, Mo. I was sitting there today when Derek was talking about going around to Rutherford County and going to some of the high schools. And I was sitting there thinking, I bet it's like 85% of the time an FBS football coach is hired. And he couldn't tell you the county he was in at the introductory press conference because he's moving from across the country or across state lines or whatever. And he's been there for 12 hours and now they just gave him a new tie reflecting the school color, and he goes out there and tries to act like he's one of them. Derek Mason has lived in Middle Tennessee for 10 years. He knows Rutherford County. He's recruited Rutherford County. He knows the coaches down there, and I think that is a really unique advantage that he has as he tries to hit the ground running. First of all, to try to convince the guys he has in the program right now that he wants them and that they need to stick around. But also he's got what, 20 days before national signing day. So he's got to get out there and beat the recruiting path, whether that's at home or out across the country. And to have that advantage of already knowing the local high school coaches, knowing the Kevin Creases, knowing those guys down there in that area that spoke very highly of them. That's a huge advantage out of the gate. Absolutely. And Chris Massaro even pointed that out, that he kind of had a, 
a home field advantage, so to speak, from that standpoint. So um, Steve Lehman with News Channel 5 joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Um, it just feels like a, a good hire, a great hire. I mean, I, I'm a little biased, I guess, but just from an objective standpoint, Steve, I mean, Tim, what's what's his last name? The D.C. Yeah, Tim Banks. I'm sorry. Was the other guy whose name was closely associated with this vacancy. And I don't know how far they got or what happened that he wasn't the guy. But Derek feels like to me a, a better fit for everything that we've already talked about. Yeah, I think basically everything we lined up is the advantage that he has over Tim Banks. He already was a head coach. He already lives in the Middle Tennessee area. He knows the recruiting ground in Rutherford County extremely well and around the Middle Tennessee area. All those things, to me, make a lot of sense and make Derek Mason a really good hire for this. Now, will that translate to wins? And most importantly for Middle Tennessee fans, will it translate to championships? Because Rick Stockstill won a lot of games as the head coach in Middle Tennessee. And Derek was quick to point out today that he really laid the foundation for what Middle Tennessee football can be in the FBS and in Conference USA. And now it's his job to build on that legacy. That's all well and good. But what Middle Tennessee fans really want to know, I hear all the time when they talk to me, is are we going to win Conference USA? Are we going to win championships? Because that is the thing that has been missing. And there's really no reason why they can't do it. And I think there's a lot of fans out there who have been frustrated as the conference itself has basically been completely overhauled in recent years. Just about the only teams that are still in it that were there just a handful of years ago are Middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky. I think a lot of the fans believed if that's the case, shouldn't we be competing for a championship every single year, if not winning it? And the fact that it hasn't happened, I think, has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. So they've got to ultimately get to that point. And I don't know if Derek Mason will be able to do that. I don't know who would be able to do that. But I think at least on day one, he wins you the press conference. He gets the buzz going for the program once again. There is excitement about Middle Tennessee football and a curiosity about what they're doing. And then you couple that with the renovation you're doing to Floyd Stadium. And I think you at least feel like you're putting the things in place to give you the opportunity to be a championship football program year in and year out. And that has always been the goal of the fan base. And now to me, it feels like the administration and the school starting to reflect that priority with this Heil and the resources that they're putting into place. You know, as you mentioned early in this conversation, Steve, how it piqued the interest and perked the ears of football people from around the country this higher. As I have been perusing the replies of different media members from here, from there, from everywhere, it's so funny that the only negative comments I'm seeing are from Middle Tennessee State fans. Everybody else from outside is saying, what a fantastic hire for Middle Tennessee State. Now, obviously, that's not ideal 
because you want your fans to be excited and all of your fans to be excited. I'm sure there is a, because Twitter is not a reflection of reality and we all know that, but you know, that's gotta be, you know, maybe not day one, but in year two, year three, when he's already made leaps and bounds strides with this program and you've got a brand new facility that that's that's nearing completion or perhaps completed in that time frame, it's really going to pay off in the end after this, you know, when this five-year deal is done. I think that's true. And for the people who aren't excited about the hire, I guess my question to them is who would excite you? <laughs> and and that's not to say, right. I mean, look, look, like I'm not trying to tell you that Derek Mason is Nick Saban. But you're not hiring Nick Saban at Middle Tennessee. And so would you be that much more excited if you're a middle fan and the announcement today was that Tennessee defensive coordinator Tim Banks is coming? Or if they would have beaten UTEP to the punch and gotten Scotty Walden from Austin Peay? Are you more excited about that? I mean, if you are, I'm interested in the argument of why. But to me, you got a power five level head coach a guy who has been there and is taking teams to bowl games at that level at one of the toughest, if not the mm-hmm. toughest, power five job there is. He's a guy that is widely considered to be one of the best defensive minds in the entire sport, not just at the college level, but including the NFL level. So to me, if you're not excited about that, okay, but give me the guy who would excite you if that's the case. And so part of me wonders if that's just a little bit of the apathy that we've been talking about, that you haven't won as much as you expect. You're frustrated by it all and you want immediate results. And I feel like today was a home run higher from the press conference perspective for most people who are looking at it reasonably. And if, if you don't like Derek Mason for whatever reason, then I want to know who you'd prefer to have in that slot that would make you more excited. Who would you want? And how would middle get them? That's the question. Sure. <laughs> and, and look, a lot of people did want Scotty Wall. And and in, including, you know, we talked about it would be a great hire if Scotty Walden had been hired at Middle Tennessee State. But I don't know that it's a better hire than this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I think Christmas Sorrow, and again, we talked about it. Christmas Sorrow has he, he's in a situation where this hire is incredibly important to one, his legacy, but particularly his job. So it's important for him to get this one right. And, and, you know, if this doesn't work, it will not be from a lack of effort. Yeah, no, no question about it. And like I said earlier, they're committed to putting in the resources to making sure that Derek Mason has what he needs to build the program that he wants to do there. And that's incredibly important, too. It's not just about having the coaching staff in place. It's about having the resources in place as well for that staff and for your team to do everything they need to do. And it feels like that commitment for the first time is fully on board with Middle Tennessee, which is vitally important as well. I just think the other thing is when you look at hires, I think too often people get caught up in we want a really exciting offensive-minded coach. We want to play wide open. We want to score a ton of points because that would be really exciting. Or, you know, sometimes in the reverse, it's you've been maybe too offensive and had a terrible defense for a while. So then you think, oh, we need a defensive-minded 
coach that makes us a little tougher and more physical as a football team. I think too often decisions are made by administrators that are trying to be football people in a lot of senses about trying to find the sexy thing or the thing they weren't previously as opposed to trying to find the right fit. And you can make an argument that Scotty Walls is really sexy hire right now. And I love the job he did at Austin P. His teams were really fun. I think he could be a good hire for a lot of programs. But I also think when you're looking at Middle Tennessee, it's hard to make the argument that Scotty Walden's a better fit to walk into a job than Derek Mason is right now. And again, that doesn't mean Scotty Walden may not do great things at UTEP or that Derek Mason is automatically going to succeed at Middle Tennessee. But I think the things that Dr. McPhee and Chris Massaro found in this hire were the things that you should be looking for. You should be looking for a guy who reflects the values of what you want, reflects your culture as a campus and as a football program, and understands the area. And he even talked about it. He said, I'm a blue-collar guy. This is a blue-collar program to the point that we should look like the color that we're all wearing in here today. And I thought that was more than a good line. I think that is who Derek Mason is. I think it is what Middle Tennessee, the school, is. And if they can replicate that and combine that together, I think they've got a chance to have a lot of success in Conference USA. No question. It's going to be fun to watch. If you're a Middle fan, it may not be as much fun for folks like me who is a Jacksonville State fan. But perhaps it will be. I, look, we hope to make it a nightmare we, for you. We want <laughs> – look, I personally just want it to be a competitive conference at the group of five level. I don't want Liberty to have to get in because the AAC champion has two losses. I want this conference to be elevated to a level where we are considered the top G5 conference in the country, just like Chris Massaro said, and get that conference or that, that college football playoff bid. That's where I want to be. Derek Mason helps Middle Tennessee State elevate itself and therefore elevates Conference USA. And therefore, I am excited because I believe it elevates everybody, rising tides and all. So looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch, Steve. Thanks for for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And looking forward to uh, maybe getting, getting in touch with you again down the road. Yeah, you bet, guys. Anytime. Thanks, Steve.